better together. Pastor Sue mentioned it. It was the theme that we began the year with, better together. And uh, I took the whole concept out of the book of Romans using the J.B. Phillips translation and it puts it like this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mould. That was the thought. And, uh, and I began with uh, the whole thought of our world is very individualistic. Uh, and talked about the difference between uh, being an individual or being individualistic. Because yeah. there's a big difference. Yeah. You know, we, we should all be individuals. We're all created uniquely different. We understand that we're individuals. But when we become individualistic or we practice individualism, According to the pattern of our world, it means that we stand alone and our world is centered on us. It's all about us. And yet scripture says, do not let this world squeeze you into the way that it thinks. On every level, that was just one example. But we coined, I guess, that thought, hashtag better together. Because we're on a journey together. And, and I want to talk about that, that journey today. Uh, and I, I certainly want to apply it to us as individuals, but this is, this is something that I think can gain momentum when the whole church gets a hold of it. You know, we, we do great things in a, a number of ministry areas, whether it's community care or whether it's, it's missions. Uh, and it's because people actually get together. As individuals, they sign on to a cause together and we are better together. I'm convinced of it. But it doesn't always start that way. I mean, it normally starts as an individual thing, this whole, whole church thing, this whole following Jesus thing is, is very personal. I love the way that God is personal about it. Uh, Jesus, you know, told the, 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 the story to illustrate the kingdom of heaven and said it's, it's like a shepherd who realised one of his sheep was missing. So he left the 99 he had and went after the one. And, and I think that Jesus told that story really to help us understand that God cares for each and every one of us as individuals. It certainly starts that way. It did for me. But I must admit, when I, when I started following Jesus, it had nothing to do with loving Jesus. Which shocks people sometimes. It's like you, you should love Jesus. Well, it's hard to love someone you don't know. Uh, I, I came to Jesus because I wanted something. I wanted something. And thankfully, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I realised I needed something. Yeah. I'd lived my life without realising the great need in my life, tried to shove everything else in it. But thankfully, I came to a point at 21 years of age where I understood that my sin had consequences. Yeah, wow. And I was seeing it unfold in my own life. And, and not only that, but I was being told about that by you know, Christian friends around me. Thankfully, I had one or two. And, uh, and so I started this journey wanting something from Jesus. And I think that most of us did. Uh, you know, maybe you're a, a, a person with the best testimony of all. You grew up in church. You didn't get messed up. You didn't get bent out of shape. You've just followed Jesus all your life. That has got to be the best testimony you could ever hear. But, you know, for many of us, that wasn't the case. And I think particularly if you've done a bit of life and then come to Jesus, you probably came with a motive. You probably came looking for something. You came after Jesus because he promised something to your life. 
Uh, and I don't think that's bad. I, I think that's okay. I think God is happy to accept all comers just like that. But then it should mushroom into something else. I mean, for, for me, it was forgiveness. For you, it was, it was probably forgiveness. And you want wholeness. I want security. I want God to do something in my life. Change my life. I'm, not, I'm sick of the way that it's going at the moment. And if that was you, then hopefully it then gets deeper. And even if your testimony is one of being a, a kid that's come up through church and has really led a more sheltered experience, which is fantastic. It should go deeper than that. It's not just about turning up to church. And that's crazy for a pastor to say. You, you know I'm being truthful with you when I say something like that. But it's not about meetings. Yes, we should gather. But it's got to go deeper than that. It's got to be more than that. And, and, and that's what I found. I came initially for forgiveness, but then that began to turn into peace and security. And then it began to turn into a sense of calling and the fact that I wasn't, I wasn't here on the planet just to suck air and die, but God had a purpose for me. It turned into a sense of destiny that began to pull me through life and give me vision for life in serving God and seeing his purposes unfold in the earth. Man, I hope it was that for you. Because there's a deeper purpose. Always. Where, you know, God comes to us in the shallow end and wants to take us deeper, I believe. And meets us at our point of need, but wants to bring us to a place of fruitfulness. If we just stay at a point of need all our life, we are just sucking air. But to move on to a point of purpose and, and achievement in that sense, in the right sense, doing great things for God, whether that is as a, uh, a, a mother of small children or a business owner or an employee on a factory floor or whatever it is, you can unpack what God has put on your life if you move just a bit deeper. But moving deeper is something that I think, it's, it's hard. When I talk about this, often it's a paradox. When you talk about devotion, when you talk about dedication to a church, uh, it's really paradoxical because I think we all in our heart of hearts are cheering on saying, yes, that's what, that's what I want, that's what I need. And the moment I begin talking about how to get there, we get the guilts and turn off. So could we just start by de-guiltifying the atmosphere? Okay, let's be really honest. Let's be really honest. Who here, no matter where you're at, whatever stage you're at of your journey, who could be doing better? Okay, that's most of us. So now we don't need to feel guilty because everyone's in the same boat. How's that sound? I want to read a passage of scripture that just reflects this whole pulling you deeper thing. Uh, and it's in John chapter 6, just after where I finished last week, if you recall. We looked at getting Jesus in your boat, getting through the storm last week. And I sort of want to continue that because this, in a sense, is going to be how you get Jesus in your boat. Yeah, it's, it's sort of going to deepen it out a little bit. John chapter 6, verse 25 through 27, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labour for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures, 
to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. This, this passage of scripture, uh, it comes after, you know, as I said, the, the, the miraculous walking on water, Jesus getting in the boat, which came immediately after him feeding the 5,000. So this passage is, is tied back into feeding the multitude. And here Jesus is challenging them as to why they're actually following him. They're saying, you know, he's actually saying, you've kind of missed it. Because those miraculous signs, as good as it was to put food in your tummy, that was not the purpose of them. There was something deeper happened. Those signs are meant to point you to something much deeper than just having your hunger fixed. You know, they were happy to receive the physical and have their needs met, but they were missing the fact that their Messiah had come. That's what Jesus was saying. In other words, you could put it this, Jesus was saying, there is something deeper for you than just having needs met. Being, I, I love the fact that God does meet us at our point of need, but it is always to take us somewhere. And that's what Jesus was saying. You've, you've come to me again because you ate and it felt good for me to meet your immediate felt need, but there's something more for you. There's something deeper. Turn to the person next to you and say this. There's something more for you. Jesus was saying salvation has come, not just a free meal. And the fact is we often look at these early followers of Christ and we can go, I mean, how could you miss that? You know, he feeds the the multitudes. It's a miracle. He's got to be Messiah. There's more going on here. And it's easy to look back with our hindsight and say, how dumb can you be and still breathe of those early followers? But I'm sure, I'm not sure that we're not exactly the same. It's like we want our immediate pain relieved by a saviour, but we aren't always prepared to build our lives under his lordship. There's something deeper. There's something more going on. So I want to speak to us today about chasing the eternal. Chasing the eternal. For those of you who are hungry, for more. And and, and look, honestly, you might be in a season of your life where you're like, man, I can't even get my head up. I'm, I'm getting hammered. You know what? God is happy to meet your felt needs. But the moment you come out through that season, if you don't get going, with something deeper, you will just end up back at a point of felt need. There's an old, old saying in our society, and it can be applied so many different ways, but it's so true. You know, it is better to teach a man to fish than to just feed him a fish. And Jesus is more than happy to feed you a fish, but he would much rather teach you how to fish. He's very happy to fill you with bread, but he would rather, and he goes on in this passage, he would rather give you the true bread from heaven. That's what he's saying. Don't labour for the bread which perishes. This stuff that I fed you a couple of days ago, is, 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 it's there and then it's gone. But I want to give you something so much more, something... And he goes on later in, the, in, in a couple of verses later and says, I want to give you bread that if you eat of it, you will never be hungry. You'll never be back to that point of felt need where you began. 
Now, obviously, there's needs all along the journey. But the saddest thing is to see someone who just keeps coming back to the start. They start the race and they run a mile, then they're back at the start. Start the race, they run a mile. That's someone who hasn't learnt to fish. Uh, And so I want to speak into that today. Uh, I want to begin by saying what I learnt a little bit about what I learnt on uh, on my break, on my big break, which for me was like a sabbatical rest. And uh, so we, we spent a month in Italy, and I know I spoke about it last week, but some of you weren't here, and besides, if you ever get to spend a month in Italy, you're allowed to talk about it for a year. Okay. Um, but so we didn't go to tour. We saw some great spots, but we actually, everywhere we went, we tried to stay for a little, for a little bit of time and lived a lot like locals. You know, just trying to buy the food and cook the food and, and do the marketplace thing and just all of that because we were determined not to be driven by a schedule. We needed rest. Yeah. And man, did we rest. We slept in. We ate twice a day because we didn't get up early enough to have breakfast any time, really. You know, so we, we lived like, like most people do in those, in those big cities and especially in Italy. It's like you, you get up and start moving about 10 o'clock. You get hungry at about 2 o'clock. So you eat then and then you have a little bit to eat at 11 o'clock and then you go to bed. That's, that's sort of the lifestyle. And we were wonderfully physically replenished. Eating food in Tuscany. I mean, you cut a tomato, you can smell it across the room. That's how good the produce is. And so good food and rest and in a different culture, a different environment, totally disengaging from everything that we knew, is the most wonderful thing. Our emotional quotient, our emotional capacity began to just fill up. It just filled up our tank. As the physical was coming up, so was the emotional. Who's jealous right now? Everyone needs to do that. Everyone, well, the fact is, the Sabbath is something God tells us to do, and we're foolish enough to ignore it. And so, so as all this began to flow back in, I started to feel 10 foot tall. You know, I'm just feeling awesome. And I must admit, can I be honest, I wasn't very spiritual on my break. We didn't go to church. I almost went to the Catholic church once. Big cathedral that was open, but Sue wouldn't come. So I missed church the, the whole four weeks. I actually searched Pentecostal evangelical churches in every area we were and couldn't find one which makes me think we should go to Italy and plant churches. Um, and so uh, I didn't do much spiritual and I didn't do much praying. I really didn't. I did a bit of journaling. I did a bit of Bible journaling, a little bit, but not a lot. And, uh, and just had a total break because a lot of that for me, it's stuff that I just I have to do. Whether I want to do it or not, I have to do it. So I just had this total break and then I had this terrible realisation when I got to the end of it. I was fresh, I was not weary, I was emotionally replenished, replenished, I was feeling really, really great. But some of the things that I thought were just my weariness and that I just thought were the, the, the toil of life was still there. Envy was still there, lust was still there. Frustration was still there. Irritability was still there. Short temper occasionally was still there. And I realised I can't blame being tired anymore. This is actually me. 
this is who I am and I've got to deal with it. And, uh, and so I came back to work and I re-engaged and I really reached out to Jesus again. And I feel like I found him in a whole new way. Wow. Two weeks ago, I felt like I got saved again. <laughs> I really did. Um, and, I, and I rediscovered or I, I re-realised, you know, again, that we are not just emotions and physical. Much is made of holistic health nowadays, even aside from Christianity, but spirituality is talked about. And the fact is, we need to be careful that we don't neglect to go deeper. It's another whole element in our lives. And and you might all be looking at me going, golly, we've got the most unspiritual pastor. Why is he the one at the front talking? Just trying to be honest with you. And I want to invite you back into the pursuit of of God. I want to invite you back into that because here's what I found. Just simply, just simply lifting my eyes to heaven and going, right, I'm, uh, I'm clicking back in God. I'm reaching back out. Not that I, I didn't, don't worry, I didn't run wild or run amok. I said, God, here I am. And God met me instantly. And the sense of rest that was in that. No wonder Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. The sense of rest that immediately flooded my soul was just incredible. Incredible. And, uh, and then I found myself a couple of times in, the, in this auditorium in the dark. And uh, it's very dark when you turn all the lights out, except the exit lights. And the cracks under the doors. But, you know, after five minutes, you can see enough not to fall over chairs. But I often strap my guitar on and walk around. I pray and I worship. And as I was doing that, I realised that, man, all, this, all the stuff I'm responsible for is coming back upon me. And I've walked for a month without it. Five weeks, actually, without it. Without even thinking about it, really. And all of a sudden, I felt that. And I thought, I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Don't let this come back on you, Chris. On. As much as you're responsible for it, don't you carry it. Because, yeah. see, when, when we try and do God's work without God's power, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and there's things in all of our lives, things that God is calling you to. Things, whether, again, being an, a wonderful parent, being a great spouse, being a business owner, being a health professional, being an apprentice, being a great student at university, there's things that if you believe God's put it in your heart and you're pursuing it, you actually can rest in him. You can actually roll the cares of that off. Yes, you're still responsible. Yes, you still have to do your homework. Yes, you still have to turn up early. But you you actually don't have to carry it. And I think sometimes we're carrying things that we just don't realise Jesus wants to carry. You can find a place. You can, you can interface with God himself who says, cast your cares upon me and peace that is not dependent on circumstances. Now, a joy in life that's not dependent on happenings can come upon you in the midst of all of the stuff. 
And it, it just retaught me. That's why I wanted to share it and share it from my heart today. It retaught me a lesson that I've learned again and again and again. But I end up back at a point of felt need. When Jesus is saying there's something deeper running along here that I want you to get. What does God want you to get? What is something deeper for you? The rest, the security. When I just began to re-engage God, the security that came from re-engaging him was, was incredible. And, uh, and my mind went back to, and I, I was like, Lord, this peace, the last time I felt like I felt this and this security, that God's just got it. God knows me. He knows my faults, my failings. He knows my strengths, my weakness. He knows everything about me, and yet he's got it, and he's got me. Such a security. And it, my mind went back to now, two and a half years ago, lying in a hospital bed with a serious health issue, listening to a doctor tell me things about my body I didn't want to hear. And I thought, man, I had it then too. And it was at that point, lying in that hospital bed, that I thought, you know, what I've believed is real. What we believe is real. It's actually tangible. Peace can be tangible. Security can be tangible in your life. And this is something that God wants us to have. Do you want it? Or do you just want to do another day like, like yesterday or last week? And just because we do, we do get, we get trapped, don't we, sometimes? And we're just in the tunnel. And so I, I want to speak to us today, and this is really basic, just as I finish, but getting Jesus in your boat, getting bread that doesn't perish, it's really not that hard. It's really not that hard at all. And there's three things I want to talk to you about that are how we gather bread. Come on, who wants to gather bread? I mean, I love miracles. I love God bailing me out. But it was never his purpose. If you look at the book of Joshua, it says that that literally the day they ate of the fruit of the land that they planted in the promised land, the next day the manna from heaven stopped. Which tells me, you know, God doesn't want to keep impressing his children with magic tricks. He wants to teach us to build something that is productive in our lives. And he will always be there to intervene supernaturally. But there's something more than tricks with fish and bread. There's something more than that. Obviously, when you talk about meeting Jesus and getting Jesus in your life, getting the bread of life itself. Because Jesus said, I am this bread. I am the bread. Getting Jesus in your life, obviously for for early disciples, it's the same for us. They heard the word of God. They didn't have so much of it printed at that point. Do you realise that? Most of what we've got, everything that we've got in the New Testament didn't exist. And Jesus was saying things that weren't there. But it was bringing life to their spirit. Come on. Life to their spirit. And so, you know, for me, probably now for, I don't know, since the late 90s somewhere, I've been Bible journaling 
And really, for the last 10 years or so, we've really been encouraging the church to do it. It's a while since I've done it. But Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a, light, is, a, is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. His word illuminates life itself uh, and, and can speak to you. As I found over the years, as you're consistent, if you will just spend some time with Scripture, with God, and honestly, it doesn't take more than five or seven minutes. I encourage people, read a chapter, but golly, don't read a chapter if God starts speaking in the first verse. Yeah. Stop! <laughs> Why is it? Why... That's, that's, a, that's that drivenness mentality we've got. Oh, I better finish the chapter. It says read a chapter. Don't do that. As soon as God starts to speak, stop and go deeper. Let him speak to you. Can I share a journal entry from this week? This is how simple God can speak to you. Uh, really, really encouraged me. Uh, and not that it's a big issue, but I thought, wow, for a leader, that is absolutely spot on. It was out of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21. It says... Also, do not take to heart everything people say to you, lest you hear your servant cursing you. And at first I was a bit like, oh yeah, and I just kept reading and then my mind went back to that scripture. It was like the Holy Spirit kept bringing me back. And it was like, listen, if you were going to hang on every tidbit that people say to see whether people appreciate you or whether people praise you, or whether people criticise you or pull you down, you are going to live the most miserable life that you ever can. This applies, applies to everything from employees to small children. If you are going to listen for what people around you are saying, then it's going to cause great pain. Now, you might think, well, that's a... that's Yeah, that's... Duh. But you know what? When you hear it from the Word of God, it, it solidifies something in your spirit... It touches something in your spirit. And I look at that and I think that's bread indeed. Especially for a leader. That's bread indeed. Thank you, Lord, for, for this. And it's not something miraculously plucked out of the sky. It's something that I'm growing. As I journal, I've gone determined to go deeper. And not just rely on a preacher's word to prop me up for another week. Not just rely on Christian TV or a podcast, but actually be productive and, and dig out some, some food for myself. Oh, I know you do that. We're all doing that, aren't we? Journaling. We use the SOAP principle. It's really easy. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. For anyone who's ever preached a message, you know it's only a preacher's technique. Scripture, observation, application, it's all preachers do. So you read a passage of scripture, let something speak to your heart, even just a little bit, write it down, make an observation. What was it saying to the original hearers? Then make the application. If that's what it was saying to them, what's it saying to me? Then pray about it. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Can everyone say soap? soap. So we all need a good wash, don't we? We all need a good wash. But listen. This is where it goes beyond God bail me out to God I'm hearing from heaven and you're moving me through my circumstances. You're meeting me at the point of need and not just with miraculous power but with things that I've prepared beforehand for such a time as this. I'm actually productive in life. 
Second thing, of course, is, is prayer. I mean, talking to God, hearing from God is, is one thing. Talking to God is another. Isn't it? Talking to God is, is another. And, uh, and, and again, when we pray, not only do we commune with God, but again, peace, <coughs> peace that we can't explain, surrounds our hearts. Uh, again, it was something fresh for me as I stood at the back of that auditorium uh, last week and this week. Again, just being able to roll cares off. God, I don't know how we're going to get there or how we're going to do that, but I just trust you and I'm rolling it off on you and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to make the best decisions I can with the information I've got. I'm going to do everything in my power to do it, but at the end of the day, God, I can't carry this. I've got to give it to you. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with supp- in supplication or request, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, do you need that? Do you need that? Because he wants to take you deeper than just being a rescue package. I cry out when I'm in pain. No, build the relationship on the way into the crisis and you'll do the crisis so much better. Often that's when crises become our springboard to something so much greater. And the last thought is, uh, is keeping our hearts free or purity you know, the, the, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In, in other words, purity is connected to intimacy with God. Purity is connected to intimacy with God. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about perfection, only Jesus is that, and he is our perfection. Praise God for that. But there is something about just walking the way God wants you to walk that brings an intimacy. You know, I heard a man of God say it many years ago, wrote it in the back of one of my first Bibles, and it was this, God does not have favourites, but he does have intimates. He doesn't have favourites, he loves everyone the same, but he does have those that will approach him. And David said, I'll approach with clean hands, I won't let my eyes look at things, I won't let my lips curse. Just certain things about keeping our life in order. And you know, I think that when it comes to purity, here's the big problem, things sneak up on us. Sort of like a truck on the highway if you're not watching your rear view mirror. Have you ever noticed that? You can just be on the highway, you get lulled into a sort of a false sense of you're just driving and next minute you look in the rear view mirror and there's a truck right there. Well, he's been coming for a long time. You just haven't been looking. You know what I mean? And I think in our lives with our hearts, it can be the same. Where things come for a long time. Most people aren't overtaken by stuff that destroys them like that. It's something that builds and goes slowly, 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 slowly in their lives. And whether that's greed or whether that's lust or whether that's offence, bitterness, hatred, jealousy... Whatever those things are, they're things that tend to just enter in in little bits at a time and just start to build. And so I want to encourage us, 
check your heart regularly. You know, every week or two, just stop and think about, God, what's going on in my heart? What am I thinking about? What am I, what am I talking to others about? What, what are the words that are coming out of my mouth? And check our own hearts. Take a look in the rear view mirror before you get rear-ended by something that gives you a big shock. Does that make sense? You've gone very quiet. Are you okay? Yeah. Here's the interesting thing, I mean, for us, a new hope, we call this discipleship. These are the simple three principles we use in our life groups. Word of God, prayer, and purity. Doesn't, again, don't be scared by the purity thing. It doesn't mean perfection. He meets you on a journey of transformation. He meets, you on, he meets you at those difficult points where you realise there is something in my heart. He wants to meet you there. And that's where intimacy builds as you meet with him over the issues of life. But we do those things in life group. That is just how we practice our basic Christianity because honestly, we call it discipleship. But I look at scripture and it is Christianity 101. That's all it is. It's, we don't need a special name. It's what people who've met Jesus, who actually are after bread that doesn't perish, it's what they do. We reach into the Word, we let God speak to our hearts. We reach out to God and we speak to Him. And we keep an eye on the rear view mirror of our own heart and make sure there's not stuff building up there that's going to break our communion break our intimacy with God. Are you okay there? Yeah. Okay. So I want to encourage us today. Listen, if you're in a life group, don't make your leader chase you over journaling. Where's leaders out? Don't do it. Just get in the Word. Bring a Word to share. Just do it. And all the leaders said, Amen. just do it. Hey, stop relying on miraculous intervention. Stop just just wanting a painkiller called Jesus. Build something. Build something. Build something in your life. Build spiritual strength. Build relationship with Christ. Pray. And, And again, by prayer, life groups model it so, so simply. This is what I found with prayer. If I encourage people to pray for an hour, they'll give up within two or three days. Most of them, the big bulk of them. Encourage people that prayer only needs to be a few minutes and people can't keep it to that. Start praying for a couple of minutes, you just won't be able to keep it there. So hey, if, you, if you've had a dry season and you need bread that doesn't perish, just get over the guilts. Forgive yourself. God already has. Get, a, get alone, get aside and just give God three minutes. It'll be hard to keep to that. It'll be hard to keep to that time limit. Check your heart. Look in your rear view mirror. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. If you want that intimacy, you want that connection with Jesus, then look in the rear view mirror and take what you see there that shouldn't be there. Take it to Jesus. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. Roll those cares, roll those issues off on him. 
Invite him into that situation and see what God can do. Christianity 101. The pursuit of God. Pursuit of God. Can we stand together in this place? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for situations in people's lives that you've met at the point of need and even this morning you've met us at points of need. But I, I just pray for us as a group, Father, that we would become more and more pursuers of God, chasers of the eternal, not satisfied just with uh, getting bailed out, but desperate to build, laying foundations, building and growing our relationship with you, strengthening our relationship with you. And I, I pray for people who've received this as a fresh word, that Jesus can be known and he's worth knowing. Lord, I, I just pray that you'd meet them by your spirit, meet them right where they're at. Help them to build it, Lord. Help them to build it. Come on, if you really want to commit yourself to just seeking God this next little season, you just go, God, that's what I want. Intimacy with you. I want to get back in that place where I can roll my cares upon you, back in that place where your peace is guarding my heart, back in that place, Father, where I can lift my head high and just know that I have victory in my life, victory in my heart over things that have pressed against me. Just reach out to heaven right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for just meeting people. Meeting people right where they're at now and meeting people literally in their bedrooms, in their garages, in their sheds, in their backfields, wherever it might be. I thank you for meeting people and drawing us closer and nearer in Jesus' name. While the heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I've, taught, I've just been talking about pursuing the eternal. Maybe you'd say, I've never pursued the eternal. And, you know, of course, I've talked about how to foster a relationship with Jesus. But, you know, it all starts much simpler than that. It all just starts with an open heart. It all just starts with stopping to take stock of your life a bit and realising that I, I, I need a saviour. I actually need God to help me with my life. That's where it begins for absolutely, for everyone really. This, this thing that I've been talking about, this intimacy with God. Uh, and if you're here today, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never, never reached out to God, I want to give you the opportunity to do it. Just right where you're standing, right where, you're, where you are in the auditorium. Um, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Uh, that's what the whole Bible story is about. God's love for you. And if you want to experience that love, uh, we're going to pray in a few moments. It's a, it's a prayer that gives us the opportunity to engage with God. If you want that opportunity to engage with God, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Just say, that's me, Pastor. We're all going to pray it together. God bless you. That's awesome. Awesome. Others in this place, just really quickly, you just know, that's me. I really need to engage with God. I need to pursue God. This morning's the it's the morning. Just as I look across one more time, my friend, this is your opportunity, then we're all going to pray together. Fantastic. That's awesome. 
can put your hand down again. That is wonderful. Okay, let's just look to the screen and pray. <coughs> and I encourage you, make this your own prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Amen. Amen. Why don't we give it up for people who've reached out to Jesus this morning? That is a great decision. God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got peace for you. He's got purpose for you. And, uh, and you're going to go on a journey of building that relationship with him. For all of us this week, let's, let's just pursue God on whatever level that is. You might be up here going, just awesome. Great. But I think for, for a number of hearts, this has spoken to us about getting back to basics and pursuing Jesus. Thanks, Pastor Sue.